0: All right. Well, I guess it's, it's a little cold out there, and I know, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's pretty warm in here. And so uh, hopefully we're uh, ready to continue our study in the life of Christ here tonight. Uh, we're in lesson number 80. Uh, if you have the, the sheet, the curriculum, or if you're just going to follow along in the Bible, we'll be in the second half of Luke chapter 17, uh, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. And, um, and so uh, Sunday morning, we looked at the account of uh, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in uh, John chapter 11. So we had been in Luke for quite a, bit, a while, and then we, uh, this past Sunday, jumped over into John, and now we're coming back into Luke. Uh, but uh, if you recall, as we kind of review where we were... Uh, you know, we we kind of talked about how there have been instances in Scripture that we've seen of uh, individuals being raised from the dead. Well, we've seen that in the Old Testament with Elijah and Elisha, and then as well in the New Testament with Jesus uh, already uh, raising a couple uh, from the dead before we get to John chapter 11. And of course, uh, what we kind of emphasized was that this was a pretty uh, Big moment here in Jesus's ministry. You know, of course, John is going to focus a lot of attention to this miracle. And so we had, of course, I think we had a pretty good class of talking, discussing and uh, getting through all of the material there. But if you recall, Jesus got word that uh, Lazarus, his friend, had uh, passed away or that he was sick. Let me back that up. First of all, he gets word that Lazarus is sick. And of course, this is the the brother to Mary and Martha. We've already met Mary and Martha a couple times in Scripture already, uh, but this is the first time we're introduced to Lazarus. And so Jesus gets word that he is sick, uh, but uh, he says there right at the beginning of that chapter that, you know, this sickness is not going to end in death, but it's going to be used to the glory of God. And of course, the disciples don't really understand what that means at the time. Uh, Jesus elects to stay where he is for a couple of more days, so they don't, you know, head on to Bethany right away. Uh, If we recall, uh, Bethany was only two miles away from Jerusalem, so it was not far from there, Uh, but he uh, he elects to stay where they were in Perea for a couple of more days uh, before they head towards Judea. The disciples, they were concerned about Jesus heading to uh, Jerusalem uh, because of what had happened the last time he was in Jerusalem, the, the, the threats that he had received and such. And so uh, they're worried. Of course, uh, we, we noticed that it was uh, Thomas, right, doubting Thomas, who spoke up and said, well, uh, let's go anyways. Let's do what the Lord says. You know, I'd, I'll be willing to die for him uh, in that instance. And, you know, again, uh, for doubting Thomas to say that uh, was maybe a little bit of shock to us because we often remember Thomas as the one uh, doubting. Uh, Of course, that's where he gets that nickname from. But in this instance, he was the one who spoke up on behalf of Jesus. And so they arrive at Bethany. Uh, Jesus is first greeted by Martha, of course. And, you know, Martha says, if if only you had been here, if only you had been here, Lazarus, my brother, would not have died. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. And there's that I am statement of Jesus, that, that really uh, big statement that we've been seeing throughout the book of John, the, the I am statements of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. And of course, Martha gives that great confession that uh, we noted. You know, we often remember Peter's uh, good confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Martha also gives one here as well. You know, you are the son of God. Uh, I believe that you are the Christ. And so. Martha then goes and gets Mary. Of course, Mary comes. Uh, she's with her her friends, those who are condoling or consoling her at that time. You know, they're uh, upset. They're they're crying. Jesus sees that, and of course, he weeps. You know, we we spent a good time talking about that one verse, John eleven thirty five. Two words: Jesus wept. But there was so much there to discuss. You know, why did she weep? Why was she grieved? And we sort of discussed a lot of different reasons. Um, of course, we we noticed, of course, Jesus's humanity. You know, he has emotions like you and I. Uh, but also, we noted some other potential things. You know, was Jesus uh, weeping uh, because he brought Lazarus uh, out of paradise and back into the world to have to live in the world again? Because he knows what's going to happen to Lazarus uh, going forward. Uh, we haven't gotten to that part yet. But in John chapter twelve, uh, we're going to notice that. Uh, not only is Jesus uh, looking – they're looking to kill Jesus, but they're also going to look to kill Lazarus uh, because he did you know, rise from the dead, and he was this example uh, of a, a miraculous event that happened. And so you know, did, is that maybe one of the reasons why Jesus wept? Did Jesus weep because he saw Mary, you know, people that he truly loved, uh, uh, people he was close to, and he saw her weeping and, and crying? And did that you know, touch his heartstrings? Again, there are so many different uh, things that we had noticed um, because of that. But, of course, Jesus, again, he's going to use this moment to, um, to show his miraculous abilities, to get others to believe in him. And so he says, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. right? Uh, it's quite a while, but here comes Lazarus out of the tomb, bandages and all. And from that point on, we you know, specifically pointed out that, uh, the Jews are now going to be looking to kill Jesus, uh, not just in threats and sort of these things, but it's going to be an organized thing. It's coming from the top, right? The the high priest, Caiaphas, uh, he's the one that's giving the orders now. And so it's going to be an organized attempt to uh, take his life. And so, uh, because of that, uh, I said we're going to be in Luke 17 tonight, but we just want to read one passage here uh, in John uh, that we didn't necessarily touch on uh, on Sunday morning. But John chapter 11, verse 54, uh, we'll notice that it says, uh, right after all these things, it says, Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness. Into a city called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. So again, uh, they are looking for Jesus, uh, but Jesus goes to a a a wilderness area, just a a desolate place, a place without uh, many individuals, uh, and so he's going to be there for a good a while, uh, while things are uh, going after him. And so we move in to uh, Luke chapter seventeen. Again, starting in verse 11, and we're going to look at a a couple of lessons within this, but we'll probably spend most of our time at the the beginning of this lesson uh, talking about uh, gratitude and ingratitude, uh, because this is, of course, the account of Jesus and the 10 lepers. Uh, This is where Jesus runs into those uh, 10 individuals and uh, does Jesus expect gratitude? Does God expect us to be gracious or thank, thankful for all the things that he's done for us? Yes. He does, doesn't he? And we're going to notice uh, in this, uh, uh, this account that you know, when uh, those nine don't come back, uh, Jesus is wondering where they are. Right? He, he expects them to come back and thank them. Uh, a couple of passages just to kind of get us uh, going here um, the, this evening. Colossians chapter three, verse seventeen. Uh, Paul said, "Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him. Right? To giving thanks to Him. Whatever you do in word or deed, right? Give thanks to Him. And uh, also, or excuse me, Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. You know, again, this is probably some of your favorite." Uh, Verses, but be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, you know, those verses, again, let us know that God wants us to come to him in prayer with with thanksgiving. Saturating our prayers with with thankfulness. And, um, you know, it's interesting that we come to this lesson here tonight because what's one week from tomorrow? Thanksgiving, All right, Thanksgiving, so just kind of ironic that we're going to be studying a lesson on, um, you know, Thanksgiving, on, on gratitude uh, here this evening, so um, again, let's sort of remember uh, the, the last time uh, we, we studied together, uh, the Sanhedrin, uh, again, the, those 70, 71 uh, Jewish uh, elites of that time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and especially the Sadducees, they're now Uh, involved in plotting against Jesus and we just we just read that verse in John chapter 11 verse 54 that says now that that's happened Jesus has gone out into this place uh referred to as Ephraim uh, in the wilderness a place of seclusion uh we think that it's uh you know a couple of miles north of uh, Jerusalem northwest of Jerusalem and uh We don't exactly know where this place was, but we just know that uh, he went there to get away from the people. And uh, he's going to return to Bethany again. Uh, Actually, that's John chapter 12, uh, but that won't be for a little bit of a while in our studies. uh, But right before the Passover, right before he enters into Jerusalem for that last week, uh, he's going to come back to Bethany uh, but for right now, he's sort of going to take this last tour. I guess I should have put the map up here tonight. But he's going to take sort of his last tour uh, through Palestine, uh, through this this area. He's going to go you know, kind of back up through Samaria into Galilee and then make his way back down uh, before he goes into uh, Jerusalem. I just wanted to kind of point this out. I thought this was a little bit neat. But uh, our study today, we're in lesson number 80. So we're uh, basically just over 60% of our study uh, through this curriculum, through the life of Christ. Uh, lesson number 88 is going to be when um, the Passion Week begins. Again, that last week of Jesus' life. So we're getting closer to it, right? We're in Lesson 80 tonight. Uh, at some point in December, mid-December, we'll be at Lesson 88, where uh, we start to see that last week of Jesus' life. And, and there's a lot, a lot of, um, you know, scripture uh, about that week, um, less than 112, uh, that's when Jesus uh, will get arrested. So again, we kind of see that we've still got some time uh, to get to there. And uh, so let's, uh, let's jump over into uh, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse... Well, let's just start at verse 11. And notice that uh, Luke's going to set the stage for us. And so he says, uh, while he was on the way to Jerusalem... He was passing between Samaria and Galilee, so again we just notice that uh, he's starting to make that that tri- that trip, and uh, he passes through those areas. And uh, again, you know, sometimes we kind of lose focus on this this area of uh, Israel. Uh, I can I think I asked uh, maybe a while ago, but I don't think anyone here has been to the Holy Lands. Um, you know, I haven't been there, but hopefully someday it would be a great trip to make. But when we kind of think of this area—Palestine, Israel, uh, whatever you want to refer to it—they uh, say it's kind of comparable to New Jersey uh, as far as uh, how big it is. Uh, so uh, we're, we're 290 miles north to south. We're 85 miles east to west. So that kind of gives us an idea of how big this this um, this place is that you know that Jesus is ministering to. And so obviously he didn't have uh, vehicles or anything like that. And so it's going to take him from time for, to get from one place to the other. Uh, but uh, we understand that along the way, he's got all these opportunities to teach. And so uh, we see one of these opportunities as well as he's going through a village. Uh, we don't know the name of this village, but uh, he's going through this village and he's got an opportunity to uh, do a miraculous deed here and to um, you know, help some individuals. And so let's uh, let's notice what it says here uh, in verse 12. It says, As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but the nine? Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Okay, so... They run into these 10 lepers. Uh, you know, what's a leper? Okay, they, they had leprosy. A disease. You know, what, what type of disease? Skin, Skin disease, right. Yeah, so uh, it was something visible, right? It was very dreaded uh, at that time. And it, uh, it was contagious. And, you know, they um you know, sometimes uh, it was medically terminal. Uh, it would have made individuals who had it social outcasts, right? Because uh, they, they wouldn't be allowed inside the uh, the camp or inside the city. Uh, do you think it was easy to spot somebody who had leprosy? Yeah, l- l- let me uh, turn over. And if you want to as well, in the book of Leviticus, there's actually a couple of chapters that are dedicated to uh, to what one must do uh, when they have leprosy or or you think someone has leprosy and that's Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. Uh, These two chapters are all about this. Uh, But notice Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, what it says about somebody who has this uh, skin disease. It says, as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. Right? So in a way, it might be easy for individuals to sort of spot you know, who has this, this, uh, this skin disease. Right? Because first of all, they're going to be outside of the camp. Uh, they're going to be individuals who have their, their clothes torn. Uh, we're basically told that their, their hair is to be messed up. Uh, uh, it shall be uncovered. Or disheveled, right? So they didn't, you know, they didn't comb their hair that day. And again, that's to let people know the condition that they're in. And they were to, uh, if someone were to come near them, you know, they were to cover their mustache and say, unclean, unclean. Now, why do you think they would have done that? So yeah. do, do they would have stayed awake Yeah. not do Yeah. Do they know anything about germs at this time? No. No. But God gave them this direction that if someone were to come near them, they were to alert that person, cover their mouth, right, and say, unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Isn't that, the, isn't that one of the, the great things about Scripture, the, the scientific foreknowledge that's in the Bible? Uh, you know, thousands and thousands of years before we even knew germs existed, and God's letting us know uh, that. Um, you know, basically, these individuals need to be quarantined. They need to stay away from others so that these things do not spread to others. Just think that's sort of amazing. And then, verse 46 said in Leviticus 13, He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. Uh, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So, again, there's that, that quarantine verse. You know, we, we uh, probably never in our lives expected. To live uh, in a quarantine-type environment until what a couple of years ago, right? And 2020 with COVID, and so we sort of experienced that a little bit. But again, I just I love those verses—the the the scientific foreknowledge of God, right? The mind of God, um, letting them know uh, about these things, and so they're standing at a distance. These ten lepers. There's another passage in the book of Numbers. I'll just go to it really quickly. Numbers chapter 5, starting in verse 2. There's some more directions about those who have leprosy. command the sons of Israel that they send away from the camp every leper and everyone having a discharge and everyone who is unclean because of a dead person. You shall send away both male and female. You shall send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell in their midst. Uh, the sons of Israel did so and sent them outside the camp, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Thus the sons of Israel did. Okay, So again, here's, here's this idea of they're, they're social outcasts. Right, No one can uh, get near them or should get near them. And uh, so they're, they're, they're standing at a distance from Jesus back here in Luke chapter 17. Uh, they raised their voice, we're told. Again, probably because you know, they're standing at a distance from him. They're crying out to him. Uh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what did Jesus tell them to do? Okay, so he gives them specific directions, right? He tells them to go and show themselves to the priests. Now, why do you think he did that? So, uh, I I just left Leviticus, but I'm going to go back to Leviticus, uh, this time in chapter 14, uh, starting in verse uh, verse 2. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus, the priest shall look. And if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to make two live, clean birds and cedar wood and a a scarlet string and hyssop for the one who has been cleansed. And it sort of just goes on from there. uh, That whole chapter, uh, Leviticus chapter 14, explaining uh, that that the priests are basically going to inspect these individuals. Uh, They're going to inspect them from head to foot. Uh, to make sure, and even go to their homes and, and to make sure that uh, this leprosy has truly been taken care of. And, of course, so Jesus tells them, you know, go and see the priest, uh, again, because that's part of the old law. They, they were commanded to do that. But do you think this might have sounded odd to those ten lepers at the time? Yeah, things, it right, right. Uh, to... To be directed to go to a priest was, meant that you thought that the leprosy had left you, right? And so Jesus says, go to the priest, show them. And so obviously they're going to be inspected. And uh, this was required of everyone who had leprosy to uh, be able to go back into their society, uh, into, you know, to move back into their city at home. And so uh, they go off, of course, and on the way uh, they're healed, and we know that because one of them returns to give thanks. And what does, what does Luke tell us about this one individual? Uh, what, what's different about this one individual? He's a Samaritan. He's a Samaritan. Yeah. Uh, so we probably have nine Jewish uh, individuals and one Samaritan. And so that's sort of a shock uh, for uh, us to understand that it was the Samaritan who came back and gave thanks. He also calls them, refers to him as a foreigner, a Samaritan, a foreigner. And uh, so how did Jesus respond when that one individual came back to give thanks? He asked the yeah, where are the others? He asked, where, where is the other nine? Uh, do you maybe hint a bit of disappointment in his voice or in, in the words there? He just cleansed uh, 10 individuals from leprosy. Uh, only one comes back, and again, uh, that, that should tell us right there that, that, you know, that God expects us to be thankful uh, for those things that he has blessed us with in this life, right? And so uh, we could ask ourselves, you know, maybe some more practical lessons this, this evening, you know, why do some uh, not turn back at all and, and give thanks? You know, why do we uh, sometimes have a tendency not to be thankful uh, in this life, yeah, maybe first, okay, so maybe a bit of selfishness on our parts that we put ourselves first. Yeah, so I had uh, three points here, and I know my time is running away fast on me already, but uh, you know, sometimes we might say, you know what, you know, uh, he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing in the first place, right? And so, um, you know, why, why give thanks? Because he's just doing what he was supposed to. You know, we, we take him for granted. You know, that's probably a better way of saying that. We take him for granted. Now, I've used this illustration uh, before, but, you know, when, when Angela and I, uh, you know, got married, we always said, uh, you, know, you know, we came up with this sort of this, uh, this rule saying, you know, if she does the cooking, I'll do the, the dishwashing, right? And probably until, well, until we moved here, we we did not have a dishwasher so i had to do everything by hand i've been doing that for quite a while you know and uh you know angela on the flip side you know she she did the cooking but you know obviously there are times where you know you go out to eat and stuff like that and so it wasn't always uh she didn't have to do it every night but you know you when you kind of have that agreement with one another uh, there are times where you know you take those things for granted right because that's just expected of you it's expected that uh, I do the dishes, and it 's expected uh, that she would you know do the cooking and so sometimes uh, you know maybe we don 't necessarily think think to thank uh, that, her for you know cooking that meal or to thank myself for you know doing the dishes right because we take those things for granted um, do you think maybe these the, these these men who had leprosy uh, you know it was obvious in this verse that they They knew something about him because they referred to him as master. You know, did did that mean that they believed that he was the Messiah? Uh, Well, maybe, you know, and if they knew the Old Testament scriptures, they knew that, you know, this this Messiah, this suffering servant in Isaiah chapter 53 is one who is going to, you know, heal the people. Right. He he was going to take on all those things uh, at the cross and stuff. And so, again, you know, maybe they were taking him for granted in that moment. Um, we get lost in the moment, you know. God knows that we are forgetful people, uh, and so obviously, uh, in the Old Testament, He gave the Jewish people the the Sabbath day, a day of rest. Yeah, He knew uh, we as Christians, uh, you know, He gave us the Lord's Supper, you know, a, a thing that we do weekly on a weekly observance to remember Him, uh, because you know, let's face it, you know, we. Uh, we come to the knowledge of the truth. We obey the gospel. Uh, we we understand that our sins are washed away. You know, we're probably pretty excited, right? Uh, that we've now uh, been reconciled to God. And if it wasn't for uh, you know the the assembly or or the instructions again for the Lord's Supper, you know, we might be like one of those nine lepers who, you know, maybe we're excited, we're happy that we've been healed, but again, we forget to come back and to give thanks to God who healed us. It comes to routine. A routine, yeah. It comes a routine. And so we, we've got to, again, uh, you know, remember. Uh, and that's why, you know, we, we do this uh, on the first day of the week. That's why we come together on the first day of the week to uh, encourage one another, but also to, uh, again, worship and remember those things. And, you know, also... Another point is, you know, maybe a reason why they didn't, those nine didn't come back to give thanks was, uh, you know, they might have thought, well, what's the point? You know, he knows knows my heart. I don't need to show uh, gratitude to him. And do you think God wants us to express our gratitude to him? Yeah. Uh, I'm preparing a a lesson on Sunday. We're going to be in uh, Psalm 107. But it's just interesting studying uh, Psalm 105, 106, and 107, because they sort of make up this, uh, this Thanksgiving trilogy. And uh, I mean, they're different psalms, but each one of those psalms, Psalm 105, 106, and 107, they start the very first verse saying, give thanks to the Lord. And then in the second verse, it gives sort of an action verb of how they were to do it. Uh, 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 the, the first one says to sing, And the next one says, you know, speak of these things. And then Psalm 107 says, uh, you know, to to say. Again, there are these action verbs, these expressions of our thanks that are noted in there. So, again, does God know my heart? Well, yes, he does. But he also wants us to express those things in gratitude. And so, um, again, those are some reasons why uh, maybe we don't. but here we have again uh, this Samaritan who came back, and uh, and he's wondering where everyone else is, right? He's he's expecting gratitude, um, not the ingratitude that the ninety percent give. Is it wrong to be? Uh, well, how to is ingratitude wrong? Is it sinful? Yeah, let's uh, let's well, for the sake of time, let's just go to one verse. Uh 2nd Timothy chapter 3 uh, Start in verse 1. So Paul here writing to Timothy says, "But realize this that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, right? All of these different uh, sinful actions and ungrateful is right in the middle of that, right? The, 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 the Paul says uh, that in the last days, uh, individuals are going to be there. And so again, God expects us to uh, be gracious and um, You know, what can we do? Well, let's, oh, I know my time's running away fast, but what, what can we do, uh, you know, some practical application, what can we do to stay grateful uh, in, in our lives as Christians? Take to try to count the innumerable okay, yeah, so the, the song, right? The count your many blessings, name them one by one. I know of uh, one preacher who uh, he he makes a he makes a time specifically you know every uh, you know every Monday to sit down for a half an hour and write a a thank you letter to someone in his life, right? So he's practicing being uh, thankful by you know making sure that he does that you know every single week and to send it off to somebody different to encourage them. So. Uh, Again, we we have a lot of different examples that we could think of, but it's something that we have to keep doing over and over again, right? Just like in our prayer life, Paul says, in everything, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the more that we uh, are thankful in our prayers, you know, that might translate in our lives as well, uh, the more that we will be thankful. And so there's the episode with uh, the lepers uh, again we 're not going to have too much time but that 's okay uh, let 's just focus on verses twenty and twenty one and i 'll just say this beforehand verses twenty two through thirty seven uh, uh, talking about the uh, the second coming being foretold uh, we 're going to cover that more in depth uh, when we get to matthew chapter twenty four uh, a lot of it 's going to be repeated, and so we'll just we 'll just look at that when we get there uh, so let 's just go ahead and read uh, verse twenty and twenty one it uh, says, Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So, we've got this question, right? The, the Pharisees are now in play. The Pharisees are here, uh, they've got this question, When is the kingdom coming? Again, where, where are the Pharisees' minds? Or where are any of the Jews' minds as far as the kingdom? Are they earthly. earthly? Yeah. They're looking for a physical kingdom. They're looking for a ruler, a king, someone
1: president.
0: to... A president. A president, yeah. They're looking for someone to you know, start a revolt to, against the Roman government, to uh, get them out of their oppression. You know, they're looking for a military, for an army... Uh, for any of those aspects they're looking for something physical right but jesus says here that uh, the kingdom his kingdom is going to be something that uh, he says is not going to come with signs to be observed nor is anyone going to be able to say look here it is or there it is for behold the kingdom of god is in your midst Some of your translations in verse 21 might say uh, the kingdom of God is uh, within you. I think if you're reading through the New King James or the King James, uh, it'll say for the kingdom of God is in you. Uh, but, but a lot of the other translations will say um, we'll, we'll talk about in your midst or um, within your grasp or among you. The kingdom of God is uh, among you. It's it's in your grasp and uh, you know, and that's probably the better translation uh, here is that he could, because remember, he's talking to the Pharisees and uh, he's not going to tell them that the kingdom is in them uh, because they're unbelievers, right? And so uh, the kingdom is in your midst. Remember uh, all the way back to John the Baptist, what's he preaching? He's preaching a message about, you know, the, the kingdom is, is coming, Right? And Jesus picks up on that, that preaching as well, that the kingdom is coming. And um, <clears throat> we know Acts chapter 2 is the day that it's going to uh, be fulfilled, but it's coming. And Jesus says, it's in your midst. right? Uh, the, the king of this kingdom, the spiritual kingdom, uh, Jesus, he's right here in front of you. It, it's, it's, it's among you. It's in your midst. You know, you just got to gotta look for it. And so, again, you know, as we constantly see over and over again, the, the Pharisees, they, and the, well, even the disciples, we notice, they, they don't have their spiritual lenses on, right? They're always looking through uh, earthly glasses. And, and that's a good reminder for us that we need to keep our spiritual glasses on as well uh, as we go throughout this life. And so, Again, uh, verses 22 through 37, we'll just cover that when we get to Matthew chapter 24 uh, because there's just so much, um, they're just very similar, and uh, and we'll conclude there. And so, uh, appreciate uh, everyone's uh, comments here this evening. Uh, Next class, we'll be moving into Luke chapter 18, and we've got a couple more parables on prayer that Jesus is going to give uh, here. So we'll look at chapter 18, verses 1 through 14, as we continue to move through this you know, this section uh, between now and uh, when Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem. So again, appreciate everyone's uh, participation this evening.